Fight the fight. We are here to equip you. Let our motto be, Don't Tread on Me. LibertyRadioLive.com Welcome to Keys of the Kingdom. I'm Brother Greg, and we're going to talk about the Kingdom of God. Uh, we had kind of an exciting show, I think, on uh, Blog Talk. I don't know. I felt like we were saying something of value anyway. Uh, you'll be able to get that recording through the Living Network later, uh, probably a little bit later than today, because we have a retreat going on here in Summer Lake. Uh, it's our fall retreat, the Feast of Booze. Uh, the Feast of Tents, it's been called for thousands of years, and it has a particular purpose. Uh, it's not just uh, some sort of a mumbo-jumbo religious ritual. It had an actual function and value to early Israel, and it accomplished certain things that really could not be accomplished any other way. And what that was was, it was binding nations together through a system of faith, hope, and charity, through a living network of people who cared about their neighbor as much as they cared about themselves. And those same people needed help with their unbelief, with their uncharitable nature, with their uncaring attitudes. And the Feast of Booze was one way to do it. It was quite a party. It was quite an event. People came from all over the country to, to get to these feasts. And that is something that we need to renew because we cannot seek the kingdom effectively without doing that, without having these feasts of tabernacles. And we'll talk about that through the show. We'll get into some other subjects and uh, things. Uh, uh, I did a test in the earlier show uh, on Blog Talk Radio, which you can find out about at our website, hisholychurch.org. but, uh, I'm not recording this one, although I think someone else is recording it. I know the radio station will record it, and it will be available there. Um, they have exclusive rights to the show, uh, so that's where you'll have to go listen to it if you didn't listen to it live. We send out notices on the Living Network that we are uh, going to have a show, try to tell people what the topic is going to be, and so they can listen to it live. But we also are going to start putting together shows to go out on major uh, uh, syndication of our shows and our message because the idea is to bring more and more people to the network. Now, the network is not just an email group. And we're not interested in people just getting on an email group. We have somebody staying with us uh, during the retreat. He doesn't have email. He doesn't have a computer. He doesn't usually access the computer. He doesn't have any way of getting it, but yet he's found out about us through the network. 
because somebody else through the network who did have a computer has talked with him and talked with his brother and talked with their friends. And so they came out here to see what we're up to. And this is part of that networking. But why the Feast of Booze? Why this Fall Festival? And why some of the other feasts which had a similar nature to them, of this gathering together like at Pentecost? And that uh, even Passover was a gathering together. It wasn't such a national gathering. You didn't have people coming from all over the place, but you had families gathering together in a house for a night to have a meal that included a lamb and bread and wine and bitter herbs, etc., etc., so what were they trying to accomplish with these feasts? Is it because God wants to see you take a holiday in his name? Or was there an actual practical purpose to having these feasts? Well, if you go back to uh, ancient times, uh, yeah, Alexander the Great, uh, even David, uh, you'll find that these guys were making treaties with other governments. And one of the ways they consummated a treaty they married one of their daughters, and this is why you get guys like Solomon having so many wives, or, or even um, uh, Alexander the Great having so many wives, as he was making all these trees, and he would take a daughter as his wife, and uh, unfortunately, that's also why he died of gonorrhea, uh, because uh, all the wives weren't as pure as they should be, uh, but the reality is, is that they were consummating their treaties with this exchange of uh, marrying this extra wife, uh, which was uh, a very important uh, concept uh, for us to understand because they were binding nations together with this thing called marriage, except he was ending up with multiple wives. Now, the Feast of Booze is actually designed to do that exact same thing, but in a moral and correct way, because originally God created us two by two, man and woman, and there should be no more twain but one. Uh, this is why you have, you know, I, I've run across a few Mormons as that if God wanted to... Uh, considered it wrong to have more than one wife that he would have provided a punishment and I always say well he did and they immediately want to know what it was and of course the punishment for having more than one wife is having more than one wife and that always usually gets a chuckle from everybody else but not usually from the Mormons who had more than one wife but the reality is if you read in the Bible everywhere that somebody had more than one wife they had lots of trouble because they had more than one wife from Abraham on. So the reality is is uh, that's the way it should be, the natural way. One man, one woman. They no longer are twain, two people, but one. That's one individual. That is the office of God. That is the, the foundation of the government of God is marriage. So how do you unite a, a nation without diluting that viability of one man, one woman, one person under God. Well, you don't do it with legal marriages. Legal marriages are three people, uh, you, your spouse, and the state. But uh, so what we have is holy matrimony, separate matrimony, where the man and the woman marry each other, and the church simply stands as a witness, and the congregation stands as the civil witness, the citizens who witness this individual is married together. 
But in the true congregations of the church, the congregations are the polytome. They are taking care of the business of government through faith, hope, and charity. They are providing all social welfare needs through faith, hope, and charity. The congregations are the courts. You know, if you have something that needs to be adjudicated, bring it before the leaders of the congregation. The congregations are ten families. Each congregation is independent. The congregations aren't even unincorporated associations. But we can go into all that later. The important thing is how do you bind those families together with nothing more than faith, hope, and charity? Well, you help one another. You be of assistance to one another. And you create bonds in society because you were there for them when so-and-so broke his back. You were there for them when so-and-so didn't, couldn't pay his rent and was going to be evicted. He couldn't pay his rent. He's going to be evicted. You should be there to help him. But this is within a congregational setting. This isn't of national interest. This is a congregational issue. So then you have to ask yourself, has this individual attempted to congregate? Has he attempted to join together with others? Has he worked together with you in a way that would encourage you to make his life easier? Because he has been working to make your life easier. Uh, he's been helping you try to find the lost sheep and bring them together in the congregation. Or has he just been running out doing his own thing, not doing it very well, and eventually ends up needing somebody to pay his rent? But he may need to fall down so that he can start to pick himself up and learn to help to pick others up. I mean, this is what you're coming together with a bond of loving one another. It doesn't mean you couldn't help him if he hasn't helped but you need to rebuke him that he isn't being a part of the kingdom. He isn't striving. He isn't. Christ said strive. Christ said seek. He didn't say sit there and wait until you need help and then call upon others. You have to work together. You have to get up and start working together to start creating a congregation that actually is of assistance to one another. And you have to have the humility to accept the assistance and the diligence to provide assistance for each other on a congregational basis. But a congregation because can become extremely isolated. It can become uh, this separate little clique and club where we get all of the emotional support we need, we get all the financial support we need, and we get it within this little clique, this little club, this little congregation, and we can forget about the rest of the nation. And maybe there's two or three congregations in a town, and we, we meet with them too, and that gives us a little sense of belonging to something bigger than us. But we can still forget about the rest of the congregations. And this was really easy to do in Judea. When, especially during times of peace when nobody was attacking them. And they would forget about other people. But God created the Feast of Tabernacles so that it about other people in other towns a long ways off. And how did that work? Very simple. You had people from all over the country meeting. Everybody in the whole country couldn't go to the Feast of Tabernacles in one place. That's just too far to go. And the, you have animals back there you have to tend to. Uh, you know, every house would be empty in the country while everybody was at tabernacles and thieves and robbers would come in. There was 
representatives from all over the country. There were people who would make it to this group gathering and to that group gathering. And uh, this is what you should be doing as you perform your congregation's record. If you can't make it out to some central retreat, whether it be in Missouri or in uh, Summer Lake, uh, you should finance the traveling of your minister to that other uh, meeting so that he can meet other ministers and interact with them. And not just him, but his whole family should be able to go there. And you should have a facility that would accommodate them in not too rugged or rough fashion. I mean, you don't want to... I don't know if some of you are familiar with Burning Man. Burning Man, they have it out on an alkali flat. And I'm amazed. I mean, 50,000 people show up for a week or so. And they pay $400 to show up, and they're given nothing. You have to bring in all your food and all your water. I guess they do have water stations, but you have to bring in all your food. And uh, and there's a lot of promiscuous behavior, and I guess there's some drugs floating around there. And, and we see a procession of people going to Burning Man through our valley because we have one of the roads that head that direction. And... Uh, uh, it is quite a unique uh, gathering of people. Uh, we should have 50,000 people that gather at the Feast of Tabernacles here. And we would actually accommodate them and not on an alkali flat. And uh, we would have spring water and we, would, we could have facilities for them and everything. Because we have to build to that. You have to remember the Burning Man started with about eight people in San Francisco. And over a number of years, they they got up to 50,000 people showing up. And they make enough money to support the whole operation for the whole year on what is contributed to their efforts. And we could use those same kind of funds to go out there and preach the gospel in a big way, not on small little radio stations, but big radio stations, and get the word out and bring more and more people to the network. But again, why Feast of Tabernacles? Why did they gather there? It's very simple. Families showed up. Young men met young women, and they got married. And just like those treaties of Solomon, where he took a wife from this king and that king and that king until he had hundreds of wives and this bound him to those kings, we don't do it that way in the kingdom of God that you bind families together. And now your son is married to a girl who's over, you know, from somewhere on the other end of the country. That he may live where you are. He may live where his father-in-law is. He may live somewhere else entirely different. But now that community where he lives is important to you. And what's important to you is equally important to the other members of your congregation because they love you as much as they love themselves. So if there's a disaster in Texas and that's where your son and your daughter-in-law and your grandchildren live, suddenly you're interested in Texas. I mean, you see this all the time. You know, people check the weather where their children now live because there's a, a vestment an investment. You know, that's the vestments of the kingdom, is this love for one another. It's not robes. It's not rituals. Our rituals is the love for one another. 
and Feast of the Tabernacles is a way in which to extend that love outside of the individual congregations in a kingdom-like fashion. That's its purpose. And you can have fun doing it. We could have a lot of fun doing it if we build to that. But we need more people. In order to get more people, we need to get the word out to more people. In order to do that, we need your support. We need your help. And that can, again, can come in many different forms and fashions. But you need to contribute to it. You cannot sit around because you came to one of our meetings because you're on some email group and expect us to be there for you when you haven't been there for us. When I say us, I mean all the people that would hear the gospel if they could hear the gospel. All the people out there who have never heard the gospel, even going to their churches. They've heard words, but they haven't heard the gospel that was Peter. They haven't heard the gospel that was inspired, not by flesh, not by blood, not by study, not by theologians, reading words and telling you, writing catechisms and doctrines. But blessed because God is writing on their hearts and their minds. And if God is writing on your heart and your mind, you're going to find yourself at odds with modern religion. Because modern religion has delivered everybody into bondage. whole world is now in the bondage of Egypt. Worse than ever before, we are full of demons. <coughs> we are full of demons. Our churches are full of demons. I know men who preach the gospel on the streets, or so they say, with great enthusiasm, arguing every point of their eschatology, theology, and doctrines, with vehemence and strength. But it is all in vain because they are full of demons. If you just stood in front of them, with the love of Christ in your heart. That's all. They would flee. The demon has to flee. He's absolutely terrified of the true love of Christ. This is the one thing he will not even look at. He won't look it in the eye. He won't see the love of Christ. He cannot put his eyes upon it. And he has to look away. Because this is the whole thing of evil. Evil will not look at the truth. He lives in darkness. He has some light in there, but he doesn't have the light of Christ. Which is the key element of the light of Christ is love. It's not the only element, but it's a key. And so he can't even look at that. He will look away. The evil will look away. And if the man loves the evil, he will look away too. If the man is not really in love with Christ, but in love with the evil that lives in him, the ego, the vanity, the pride he takes in his preaching of the gospel, he will flee. He will run out with the demon because he and the demon are one. They are in one accord. You cannot cast the demon out of a man unless he wants it to go. Well, a lot of men do want it to go. 
But unless the man wants the Holy Spirit in his heart, new demons will come in. New delusions will come in. New shadows and darkness in his own heart will come in, and he will be consumed. We need to turn around and go another way. And that way is the way of being still and knowing that God is God. Not in our heads, but in our hearts and in the mind according to the writing of the Holy Spirit. Not the memorizing of eschatologies and theologies and all these other things. Now, I'm not saying that you shouldn't study. Certainly you should. You know, it says in the Bible, study to show thyself approved. And those of you who are on the network, many of you should have gotten a message or did get a message about that. The word study in that that uh, scripture is not study. That's right. It's That word is never translated study except in that one place. The word is actually be diligent. Be diligent. Which is back to the word that Christ used, to strive. Are we that diligent? Are we striving? Are we seeking the kingdom? Many of us are not. Many of us are not. So we had a number of conversations over the week and we'll review some of those things here I also wanted to uh, take a look at uh, I save uh, uh, email that comes in on a regular basis uh, to talk about this uh, day entry uh, you know what what went on uh, you know back in six. 22, Muhammad and his followers commenced the Hegira or flight uh, to Medina where he founded Islam. So that's really important to a lot of people. Uh, so that's a, on this day in history. That's what was taking place. Flight. Why a flight? What was, where did Islam was really born out of persecution of a denominational church that was actually trying to voice an almost inquisition-type approach to Christianity. If you didn't believe the way they saw that you should believe, they would persecute you. And because of that, Muhammad said you couldn't, you couldn't persecute people. You couldn't kill innocent people, children, women, old men. You couldn't do that. Isn't that interesting that Muhammad was saying that, yet... We hear all the time how Islam people are blowing up buses and, and supposedly taking over schools. The Islam religion has been hijacked by radical fundamentalists. problem is Christianity has also been hijacked by radical, uh, radical fundamentalists. Same thing has happened in the Hindu religion uh, and many of the other religions. I won't go through all of them because... They're all being hijacked. Now, they don't all use violence, but they all want to have control over your thinking and control over your mind and over your heart. I don't want that control. I mean, I see that as a burden. I just, it just repulses me. 
I want your thinking to be subject to God alone. And all I'm doing is bearing witness. I'm just a voice of one crying in the wilderness. I happen to be out in the wilderness. I can see, you know, about 25 miles in every direction and 50 and some <laughs> others. But uh, I want you to start to see the truth of what's going on. You know, another item that was in the news this week, uh, real briefly, is the FEMA. It's going to be broke on Tuesday. <laughs> but uh, the Faith Emergency Ministry Auxiliary of His Holy Church is not broke because it's full of Christ's love for you. And it will do what it can. It doesn't have much money, but it will do what it can with what it has. And that's the FEMA you should be looking to. We'll be back after these words from your local sponsor. Fight the fight. We are here to equip you. Because you love the truth, LibertyRadioLive.com. The program you are listening to is 100% sponsored by you, the listener, on this First Amendment Rights Media channel. You will notice that there are few commercials on this radio network. There's a good reason for that. Corporate advertising dollars come with strings that limit program content. So without your help, these programs cannot continue on Internet or our several affiliates. If you benefit by the educational law programs, we ask you to give. If you are admonished or nurtured by the Bible and ministry programs, we ask you to give. If some voice a cause that you are passionate about, we ask you to give. If you believe in any of these, we ask you to support them as you would a missionary on a continual basis, as if giving a tithe for Missionary Radio. These programs are not commercially viable and must be supported by those faithful to the cause of truth. Look for the button to sponsor your favorite programs at our Listen and Schedule pages on the Internet. Then, when you subscribe, we will send you the last quarterly MP3 CD of that program immediately and continue to do so with each new quarter. We will also give you unlimited archive access to all of our programs. We're asking you to give much less than a tithe so that you may also send support directly to a particular program host, cause, and anywhere else the Spirit may lead you. Do all to the glory of our God and Creator, for His holy nation, the only kingdom that will last forever. Thank you for listening. If you read the history books, the most often asked question to Southerners was this, why did you fight? And the most often given answer is, because you're here. In other words, the South did not invade the North, the North invaded the South. Was it the Civil War or 
War of Federal Aggression. John Weaver sets the record straight in this DVD series on the Civil War from the Old Pass Christian History Conference. Was there a war to set the slaves free, or was it a war to enslave us all? Get this DVD and judge for yourself. War of Federal Aggression. The truth seems strange only because we've been indoctrinated with a fiction. War of Federal Aggression. Get it today. Get this DVD for a donation of $25 from LibertyRadioLive.com. Order online today or call 559-781-3773. 559-781-3773. Welcome back to Keys of the Kingdom. Uh, I'm Brother Gregory, and we're talking about the Kingdom of God. Uh, we're having a retreat this weekend out here in Summer Lake, and actually we'll go all week. It won't. Not a lot of activities. We're just going to introduce people to things like wood cutting and corral building during the week. <laughs> but the weekends will be for as much fellowship as people could stand. Uh, we're also going to have uh, another part of the. the the ending of the retreat next weekend we got somebody flying in all the way from connecticut that's about the farthest away last year the farthest away was australia and we'll be uh i'll be reading some of the quotes that we received from our australian brethren here before the show is out it's part of my notes but one other event happened on this day in history besides feast the tabernacles although we're not following the Feast of Tabernacles by any particular calendar this year. The reason we're having it this week or starting it this weekend has to do with logistics in this particular community. Uh, in the future, we may change it, but it's usually going to be the last weekend of September. Uh, it works better at this high altitude and because of other things, which I won't go into all now. But... Uh, it allows you to have Feast Tabernacles at more than one place, uh, which is good because it's all about network with other people. As we were explaining, is that there was a purpose to this Feast of Tabernacles to help help break down the bonds of congregationalism that divide people out. Congregationalism is one of those systems that. Uh, begins to divide people into denominationalism because before you know it you'll have your titular ministers who are your public servants becoming your rulers if you do not guard against that they will start telling you what kind of hat you can wear and what kind of shoes you can wear and what kind of uh, uh, suspenders you can have like we were giving the examples with some of the Amish groups uh, that seem so extreme you know but was actually just gang-related divisionary practices that, you know, you have to wear your hat a certain way if you're with this group and another way if you're with that group, and it's causing divisions. And they think it's binding themselves together, but it's actually dividing themselves from kingdom thinking because Christ didn't come preaching the congregation of the kingdom of God, our congregationalism, but the kingdom of God. And the way you do that, the way you seek that kingdom is to form congregation, but if you love one another within your congregation, you must also love the next congregation as much as you love your own. 
That means that you're not trying to create rules to divide you out, but to bring you together. And bring you together what? In the precepts of Christ, in the name of Christ, in the character of Christ. And that character is one of sacrifice, of caring about others, of service, not to be served. And so you're not forming a congregation unless you come there to serve others. If the only time we hear from you is when you need help, guess what? You're not getting help. You know, for the most part, you're not getting help. Especially if you've known about us for months and months and months and didn't do anything to help build your local congregation, support your local congregation. Why should we support you in such sloth? The slothful should be under tribute. The slothful should be afflicted because they are not diligent. And that's what that word study to show thyself approved. It's actually the word diligent. Be diligent to show thyself approved. Makes takes on a whole new meaning. It would be a scholar that tells you study is the key thing here. But in reality, it's not study. It's being diligent in the ways of God. So what else happened on this day in history? This is actually a very significant thing. Is that in 1789, the Congress passed the first Judiciary Act. It's the Judiciary Act of 1789. It's architectonic in its form. And in section 19, which it doesn't say in this little note here, but I happen to remember because it's in the book Covenants of the Gods, that if you are entering into activities where there is no remedy at common law, common law will not be the remedy supplied to you by the courts. And the truth is about 99% of everything you do today in the world, as well as in the United States, there is no remedy at common law. You are so deeply enmeshed in equity. You don't go down the road based on common law. You, you don't have a car. You don't have a house. You don't labor. None of those things do you do at common law. And the remedies that you will get will be in equity, not at common law. And that goes way back to the Judiciary Act of 1789. And all these patriot types and legal beagle types that tell you all you have to do is rescind your contracts and you just you just turn everything around and turn the clock back to you know 1700 or whatever with uh, filling out a few papers. That just sounds too good to be true, and the reason why is it's not true. You need to do what Christ said. You need to do what Moses said. You need to do what Abraham said, which was the same thing. You need to seek the kingdom of God. And the righteousness of God, and you need to do that by caring about one another as much as you care about yourself. And if you do that, you will form congregations, and those congregations will not forget about other congregations. You see how I can take any news item you give me, and I can turn it around. Just like I said at the end of the last segment of the show, that FEMA, the Federal Emergency Management Auxiliary, is or not auxiliary? What is it? Agency. <laughs> is uh, going to be bankrupt, I think, on Tuesday, if I remember the news report right. And, of course, they immediately say, oh, so we need more money, and Congress needs to attend to this. Well, how do they get more money? They take it away from your neighbor, or they borrow it, which takes away from your neighbor twice. Because he's not only going to have to pay it back, he's going to have to pay it back with interest. Actually, it takes away from your neighbor a thousand times over, because they never pay it back, and they only just keep expanding on the interest. So, if that's your FEMA, good luck. But the FEMA of God, the Faith Emergency Ministry Auxiliary, which is the congregations of the kingdom of God, they are bound, bound, I tell you, they are bound 
by faith, hope, and charity. Not by contracts. Not by covenants. Not by constitutions. Another book you can read online. They're bound by love. And that love means that you're not going to show up when you need help. You're going to show up because other people might need help. And I'll tell you this, other people need help right now. So you need to start showing up right now and coming down there. Don't stop coming to congregational meetings because you're not getting anything out of it. You go to them because you know you have the wisdom of God, know that you need to give in order to be given to. That's what he said. You know, people, you want to espouse these eschatologies and theologies and doctrines. He said you give so that you may be given. You forgive so that you may be forgiven. How do you do that if you don't come together? So you need to start to come together. People say, well, why do I need to form a congregation? I help people now. Because you're not coming together and helping people. It's really hard to come together and help people. It's really hard to begin to trust one another. And it's not going to happen unless you practice it. Now, if you think this is an important message, help us get it out to other people. So anyway, I said I was going to read some of the emails that we got. I'm not going to tell you who all wrote every one of them. And I just jotted these down real quick with cut and paste. So I may not even recognize where some of them came from. But we've been talking about a lot of things uh, this weekend. So to kind of bring you up to speed at what goes on on the Living Network and sometimes behind the scenes on the Living Network, somebody wrote, if we are uncertain with our relationship with him, we have nowhere to go that's not in vain. That's an absolutely true statement, but it can be very easily misunderstood. And it's actually, to some degree, poorly worded. And I'll show you why. What is the problem with that statement? If we are uncertain with our relationship with Him, meaning Jesus Christ, if we are uncertain, uncertain, do you think the devil is certain that he is right? Absolutely certain that he is right. The evil is always certain that it's right. <laughs> that's, that's how it works. And it is certain because it is vain. Because it is deciding it is right based on its knowledge of good and evil. Its problem is it has already rejected God and the Holy Spirit and that still small voice that shows you what is right and what is wrong. It's not your certainty. Because your certainty can be an illusion. And, and if, if it is not of the Spirit, you will need people to reaffirm your certainty all the time. You will need to go and be re-energized, recharged, to regain that certainty, to be uh, reaffirmed in that certainty. And one of the other things that you will need is you will need other people reaffirming that they are certain just like you're certain. You need that kind of birds of a feather to reassure you. Now, there is a similar reassurance that comes from the true gospel of the kingdom. There is a certain reassurance that comes and encouragement. But the force and power of that certainty is based on spirit and the still small voice. 
It is not based on community clamorings. And that's very important because, you know, that that's a that very simple precept. So, yes, you must be certain, but where does your certainty come from? Does it come from mutual patting each other on the back and reassuring one another? That's of the flesh. Those are people reassuring you. It's not the spirit reassuring you. It's the emotional support reassuring you. Now, reassurance and encouragement are two different things. Encouragement may seem like reassurance, but you cannot become dependent upon that encouragement from outside because then it's not a relationship with Christ. It's a relationship with other people. And people-oriented people are easily trapped in this endless cycle of needing people to keep reassuring your certainty. And anybody who doesn't have that same inclination will actually begin to create doubt in you because you say they seem so sure and they don't need to be recharged, reassured. But I do. Now all of a sudden doubt comes in and should come in because your certainty is not based on Christ but by the reassurance of other people. Now I don't know if everybody followed that but I hope somebody did. Uh... Foundational values and beliefs that need to be brought to light and agreed on. What are our foundational values? That well, they're right there. We don't. This is not speculation. They're in the Bible. Forgive that you be forgiven. Give that you be given to. Tend to the weightier matters of law, judgment, mercy, and faith. Don't pray to factors to exercise authority one over the other in order to provide you with benefits. Where do you get your daily bread? Food stamps? Social Security? Welfare? Unemployment checks? Is that how you get your daily bread? Or do you pray to God and live by hope? Live by charity? Because food stamps is not charity. It is redistribution of wealth. Food stamps is not charity. We'll talk more about that next on our show, Charity to be Continued. So, what are the fundamentals? Fundamentals is, what do, you, what, what do you do to obtain eternal life? When Jesus was asked this question, he gave an answer. So, I give the same answer. You know the commandments, keep them. I'm not preaching to you, I'm just repeating what Jesus said. But I'm not going to leave out huge sections of what he said pick out stuff that fits well into my do-nothing religion. And then just, that's the definition of a lie. It's not the whole truth. Let's look at the whole truth. So, uh, someone said, first and foremost, who do men say that I am? And we already talked about that to some degree. Is You know, that's when he was asking that question, he had to ask it several times because, you know, they all balked it. They didn't give a straight answer. They said, well, so-and-so says you're this, and these guys say, some say you're this. And he says, yeah, but who do you say? And he had to repeat the question because they were beating around the bush. And they had gotten the hang of that probably mostly because Jesus was always beating around the bush. Uh, and, of course, the joke is is that Moses was beating around the bush too, but uh, it was the burning bush. 
But uh, anyway, uh, who do I say I am? That was not first and foremost. We put that first and foremost. First and foremost was, seek ye first the kingdom of heaven. Seek ye first the kingdom of heaven. That's why it's first. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. So that's first and foremost. Because he said, that's first. That's what you do first. Okay? <laughs> and then jump into the kingdom and it says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And foremost, he says, keep the law. If, you, if you're going to enter into life, seek the law. And then he abbreviated that. All the law is hinged on these two commandments. Love God and love your neighbor as yourself. So there you got those. That's first and foremost. Let's not make you know make up other first and foremost. Who told you that was first and foremost? Wasn't Jesus? Jesus didn't bless Peter because he had the answer. He blessed Peter because he had the answer based upon the revelation of the Holy Spirit. By his Father in heaven, not flesh and blood, not because some preacher told you, not because you memorized some doctrine or eschatology and spewed it back as so much, you know, why did God make me, you know, some such catechism. You know, I mean, people, you know, I had a Catholic background. That's originally where I was raised, although anybody who understands what I preach will realize that I may be kind of the scariest thing that the Pope's ever seen. <laughs> Somebody actually preaching the wholeness of the gospel. You know, not uh, you know, I, I I'm not the father of the European Union. <laughs> you know, I they don't let me speak in the United Nations. Uh, I don't tell people, you know, I, I, I expose the travesty of Romans 13. That should be a really scary thing, but the reality is the Protestants are more Catholic than I am, or Roman Catholic, I should say, than I am. Uh, and and that is one of those, this catechism approach, got to say these specific words, you know, Jesus said, not those who say, Lord, Lord, but those who do with the will of the Father. That's what he said. He's talking about doers. So, okay. uh, and so, yeah, those are, if we're talking about absolutes, let's talk about specific instructions that Jesus made. And one of them was that we weren't to be, you know, we were to pray to the Father in heaven, not fathers of earth, called no man father. That's a pretty direct statement. And uh, he also says that we were not to be like the, the ministers of the church should not be like the ministers in the world, the rulers in the world who exercise authority and call themselves benefactors. That we were to live by faith, hope, and charity in the perfect law of liberty. And most Christians don't do anything like that at all. Their daily bread comes from those men who call themselves benefactors. And that is the antithesis of what Christ said to do. And that's absolutely true. They all say that they love Jesus. They all say they're saved by the blood of Jesus. But what they say and what they do don't match up. 
So it's not, the critical thing is not what you say. Although I'm not taking away the importance of saying the truth. But the critical thing is what you do. Now, Mark in Australia, I said I'd read what he said, and I won't read everything, but... <coughs> Excuse me. It was pretty pretty right on, in my opinion. You know, I, I think Australia... I wish we could get on radio stations in Australia and start uh, building there, because uh, you know, I think, you know, you know, Mark's a young fellow, and he's got probably... A lot to learn. We all do. Even and even old men like me got a lot to learn. But he he seems to hit the nail on the head pretty accurately. He seems to be a good carpenter for the kingdom. Faith that the way to go is the way of Christ ought to be the only thing that qualifies someone that might be saved to serve regardless of their current relationships to the Father and even their understanding, especially of idolatrous ideas that are driven by pride in man's erroneous understanding of the way we ought to relate to each other and to Christ. So he, so he go way back to the beginning, the first word of that sentence is faith. But... Again, and this was in context with what are the requirements to be a part of the network? Well, being on an email group is a part of the network. It's being on an email group, and that's it. It doesn't get you into the kingdom. It doesn't make you a part of His Holy Church. It just puts you... I can guarantee you we have all kinds of people on the email group that wouldn't know Christ if He walked up and shook their hand or patted them on the head. They are completely completely oblivious to Christ. But then there are some that are understanding of who Christ is. They're just on an email group. What are the qualifications to coming to the Sermon on the Mount? Anybody could come. There were Pharisees there. But that doesn't put you in the kingdom. I can't put you in the kingdom. I can't get you in the kingdom. You have to talk to the king. Or giving you the, the network is an opportunity to do something about it. Christ would rather bless the faithful Roman centurion or Gentiles on his way than men of spiritual understanding like the Pharisees, and he puts understanding in quotes, because is it really understanding? Like a Pharisee or even a disciple that kisses him on one cheek. You know, it's what you do that tells us who you are. It's the love you actually exercise and practice. It's not because you came into a meeting once or because you're on an email group. It's are you walking the walk of seeking the kingdom, which he says first. That's what you do first. Seek the kingdom. And we have people on the group that aren't seeking the kingdoms on the groups. On the Living Network, which you can find out about at hisholychurch.org guy with a net join the local group are you seeking the kingdom are you and if you're seeking the kingdom you have to be seeking it for others as much as for yourself and therefore you have to be a part of our attempt to evangelize this message out to all kinds of other people and one of the ways to do that is other radio stations so you should be working night and day to help us do that and support the ministry in ways that will allow us to do that as efficiently as possible and join the network so you can figure out how to do that amongst other men that you can discuss this with and 
and work on projects to make it happen. Not for yourself, but for others. In, in a, a roundabout way for yourself, because as you serve others, God will serve you. But if you will not serve others, why do you think he would serve you? Why should we serve you if you have had weeks and months and maybe even years to help others and you don't show up? You don't do anything. Now, we may still help you. But remember, the, fair, the Samaritan, the good Samaritan was helping somebody who was beat up in the ditch. He wasn't helping somebody who went to sleep in the hay. You have to become a doer. You have to become a seeker. If you get beat up in the ditch, we may help you out of the ditch. But if you just want to do nothing, we're not going to help you forever. Even God said that to Cain. I will not strive with you forever. One of the things he said is, of course, I can only speak for myself. That is very important. Christ makes the rules for you. And that that's not me. I'm not going to make the rules for you. I will talk to you about the rules I see him making. And many of those will be rules you've never heard of because your churches don't talk about them. We'll tell you more when we come back. Keep thinking. You have been listening to The Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. For more information on the educational ministry provided by His Holy Church and Brother Gregory, including services, counseling, lectures, books, and other audio materials, please write to His Church at Summer Lake, Box 10, Summer Lake, Oregon, 97640. You can also find us on the web at www.hisholychurch.net. Now listen to me. The Bible says, Render unto Caesar that which is Caesar's. I want you to know that a corporation is Caesar's. Government Takeover of the Church. This DVD is the most powerful tool we have for waking up those asleep in the pews. The scripture calls for his people to come out of her. The corporate church is the apostate church, the whore that rides the beast. Make copies and give them away to your corporate church friends and loved ones. The truth will make them free. They will watch the DVD. Government Takeover of the Church. Who will tell them if not you? Get this DVD for a donation of $25 from LibertyRadioLive.com. Order online today or call 559-781-3773. Now listen to me. Fight the fight. We are here to equip you. Let our motto be, Don't Tread on Me, LibertyRadioLive.com.
welcome back to Kings of the Kingdom uh, for our second hour here that we're talking about uh, a number of things. Why there are Feast of Tabernacles. Uh, what is the weightier matters of Jesus Christ's gospel? What is the thing that he put first and told us to put first? Uh, why is it important to know who he is? Is it important to know who he is or to know what we know based on spirit? Not based on flesh and blood. Peter was blessed because he knew it not by flesh and blood. Not by studying with his own brain. Not by eating of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Deciding for himself what was right and wrong. He knew it because he was willing to listen to the Father and the Spirit. He was beginning to walk in the garden with the Lord God. Walk with. And how did he how was he willing to hear this? Because he was willing to hear that still small voice. Because he wasn't his head wasn't full of emotional clamorings of modern religion. It was at one time and he finally was starting to let that go and realized that that did not give him strength when the soldiers came. It did not give him strength when men questioned him as to his uh, men or women questioned him as to who he believed in. came when he finally began to listen to God in his heart and his mind. And that gave him the certainty that he was going to need. It was not a certainty that was charged up again and again by men. It was a certainty that came in spirit, in stillness, in calmness, in acceptance. And it was a certainty that gave him the guiding light he needed to do the will of the Father. Not create another church or religion for people to belong to, to feel like they belong to God because I belong to this religion. We're not starting a new religion. We're trying to conform to Christ and the pure religion taught by Christ, which is taking care of the needy of our society through faith, hope, and charity. Which will include some foreign aid outside of our congregations. But our congregations will be based upon those who will show up to help one another. Not to be helped, but to help one another. Very simple concept. If we don't come together with that concept, come to serve rather than eat. Which is better, to serve or to eat at meat? These are things that Christ disdained. actually told us to do and we need to be doing it I got a bunch of emails when I was waiting uh, uh, we have people sharing things on the network uh, and I won't have time some of these it's interesting you could almost I can almost determine who wrote what by the length uh, of what they wrote <laughs> But then I'm a lengthy one. In the news, we just had an X1 uh, flare on the sun. 
We, uh, earlier in the week, we had another X1 flare. The X used to be the highest category of flare. Now they have a mega flare category that even goes higher than X class. X1, there's X1, X2, X3, X4, all the way up to X9.9, uh, uh, which would be, the next one would be the mega flare. And this has to do with the powerful energy explosions on the sun. And uh, we've had several of them. Uh, and quite a few what they call M-class flares, which is the next category down. Uh, and it could be as a result of this comet that's passing between us and the sun. Because comets, because they're heavily charged electrical bodies, can cause CMEs to go off when they approach near the sun. This one's like halfway between us and the sun. And so those CMEs may become earthbound and hit the earth. And if they do, this will cause increased energy in the core. It will cause changes in weather patterns. And all these things together can start to cause more calamities upon the earth. And when that happens, you need to be ready with your own faith emergency ministry auxiliary, which is what every congregation is a part of. There isn't necessarily a separate FEMA agency in the church. Uh, there is, uh, uh, I was just looking at the, the charts for the explosions and uh, uh, on the sun, <laughs> and, and there was proton events prior to these even, which is kind of interesting. See, there was an X-class flare back on the 22nd and then now there was just a very sharp X-class flare, very sharp uh, on the 24th and uh, immediately behind that has already been an M-class flare uh, that almost was an X-class flare, about M8 and so there is some increased activity on the sun, nothing to go crazy about or hog wild but, but it is showing an increased activity and you will see an increased activity in earthquakes and volcanoes and, and other things. And, of course, with the staggering pressures upon economies, uh, no, no surplus of grain hardly in this country. Uh, terrible Durham wheat uh, crop was absolutely devastated. Other crops have been devastated either from droughts or floods. And, again, weather changes are direct result of the events on the sun has nothing to do with the traffic in Los Angeles or carbon dioxide emissions. Uh, the weather on all the planets has been affected because of events on the sun, not because of man's events. Now, I'm not saying that pollution is good. We should try to cut down on pollution. But these these events are uh, observable in a cause and effect relationship. And problem is, is our societies are not ready for the catastrophic uh, occurrences that could come. CMEs can knock out power. Uh, these coronal mass ejections can knock out power. They can cause earthquakes, which can knock out power and interrupt gas lines and uh, affect shipping, uh, cause tsunamis, all these things. And in our unprepared society, uh, we are extremely vulnerable. So we need to prepare. 
But we need to prepare out of love, and we need to be doing it to think about others and not just create our own little bunkers because we will not receive the blessings of God if that's our approach. So anyway, that's a little tidbit. We mix that in with some of these other things that are being said. Uh, we know Jesus is the king of the kingdom of God and that we must govern ourselves according to his spirit. So it's as simple as listening for that spirit in our hearts to guide us into his righteousness and salvation. That's very important uh, that we listen in our hearts and in our minds because that's where he's going to reveal to us not by flesh, not by blood, but by his spirit is in our hearts and in our minds. It doesn't mean we don't act and interact with others on a flesh and blood basis. We are dry bones and we need to have the spirit of God in us so that we can come together according to his image, fitting the right bones with the right bones, and then the flesh will come upon us. But if we are flesh and not bones, then we are not adding to the structure. And if we are not letting the Spirit of God breathe in us, I mean, His un- and learning it outside other men, eschatology and denominations and regulations that really are poor with Christ, because they come up with the idea that Christ is first, and it's very clear that Christ said, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. That's what he put first. That's why he said, take this first. That's why it's said first in the Bible. He didn't start out with, come out of the my people. And his emphasis on knowing who he was was not on the actual verbiage of knowing who he was and being able to say it. The emphasis was on the fact that it was revealed he was blessed because it was revealed by the Spirit, not by us. Not for one another, but patiently follow the simple way or as long before us, which is in congregations which freely sacrifice to God in the ministration of the children of his kingdom and to strangers or nothing else matters. In other words, we have to form these congregations to help take care of one another, not form them so that we will be taken care of, but to form them to take care of one another, to love others as much as we love ourselves. That's why we form the congregation. And those congregations should love other congregations. And those congregations and the people within those congregations should always be willing to help others. We find beat up in the ditch. But we should not be feeding those who do not work, who are not striving. Now, who is not working, who is not striving, who is not diligent? That's between you and God. And if you're already listening to God in your heart, you won't need me to say anything. But if I see you doing something I think might be wrong or not, might need to be reexamined, I will mention it. Because there's freedom of speech in the kingdom. You don't have to listen to me. You're not answerable to me. You're answerable to God. But God sends messages to us all and sometimes through us all. And we should be willing and not afraid to listen. One of the things in denomination and, and this uh, cultic 
dividing you off into their little groups is they say, oh, we don't want you going to other churches. Oh, we don't want you listening to other people. Oh, we don't want you associating with any of these people. Jesus associated with sins and publicans and all kinds of people. He was not corrupted by them because he was certain as to who he was in a spiritual sense. If you are only certain as to who you are based on your intellectual perception and your emotional stamp of approval, yeah, you better not go talk to anybody else because you will be swayed by them. If you have been swayed to the belief in Christ by what other people have said and done around you, then it is not born of spirit. It is born of flesh. And you need to look at that. And you need to get still and know. Not get worked up and know. It's very important. And every one of us has these journeys to make. Someone else wrote, Can a Buddhist, a Muslim, a Shintoist, a Taoist, a Zoroastrian, well, we're getting a little far-fetched there, evolutionary humanist, um, or any other uh, practitioner of some religious ideology ever come to the knowledge of truth? Well, yeah. Those things are where they're from. That's not where they're going. And they have to dump all their baggage before we'll even talk to them. You know, that isn't where it begins. You know, it's where we're going that's important. That's why it says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Are they headed toward righteousness? Seeking He goes, I'm a sinner. I deserve nothing more than to be totally destroyed for the simple fact that even though I grew up in a Christian home, was baptized and confirmed in a Christian church that professed the Messiah as the Savior and King of Kings, but was in total apostasy. I was, and in many ways still am, Nicolaitan. And those of you who haven't read our article on Nicolaitan, you might go to hisholychurch.org and look that up and find out what that really is all about, because that's all about Balaam. Nicolaitan is just a Greek way of saying Balaam. And Balaam is about what? The conquered people. Why are they conquered? Because they've been praying for their daily bread from men who exercise authority. And once you pray to those men, they will exercise authority over you. And what should have been for your welfare will become a snare. And you will be bound in there. And God hates that way. And it is the way of Cain. It is the way of Nimrod. It is the way of Babylon. And it is the way 90% of the Christians in the world have gone. 99% of the Muslims. 99% of the Jews. 99% of the Hindus have gone that way to one degree or another. The way of Cain. whole world has gone that way. And we're saying, turn around, let's go the other way. But that's going to require some effort. Striving, working, sacrificing, humility, getting rid of all this vanity, religion. You got to say it my way or I don't believe you. You've got to do it Christ's way. Come to serve. Come to serve others. I, I, I can't tell you how important this is, but the shaking this world will feel 
in the days to come will tell you how important this is. But we're not looking for all that flesh. We're looking for the dry bones that will stick together, the sinew that will bind those bones together. But we're looking for dry bones that will receive the Holy Spirit. God breathed into the dry bones of Ezekiel. There are no lungs in a bone. But God breathed into those bones before the flesh came on. You need to see the structure of the kingdom. What really brings the kingdom together? The righteousness of that kingdom and how it works. That structure doesn't just mean the tens, hundreds, and thousands. It means the way that that skeletal structure, the leverage of God's kingdom and God's way works. It does not work like the religions of emotional, uh, Pentecostal type, ecstatic, yes I believe, yes I believe, yes I believe religions. Where they convince themselves by the emotional excitement of talking about it. You need to be led by the Spirit and the Spirit alone. I won't read everything he wrote there, but anyway, Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. Very interesting statement. But what does that mean? But by me. Have you come to serve? Or be served? Have you come to lead men to know God or to know you? To know your eschatology, your theology? Are you privately interpreting the Bible and telling people this is what this means and this is what that means? Yeah, I do that. I talk about the meaning of these things. But I'm just bearing witness. I'm not requiring you to think this way. You know, and... And I know there's a natural tendency to put me up on a pedestal or somebody on a pedestal, whether it's me or somebody else. I mean, some of you want to knock me off my pedestal. The problem is I ain't up on one, so you can't knock me off. Uh, so it doesn't bother me when you attack me. They go right ahead. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't make or unmake my day. But, you know, you you have to be careful of that wanting to put people on a pedestal and believe because I say it so. You have to... This is an individual journey, individual soul-searching experience. It's the revelation in your heart and your mind that's going to make the difference, not the fact that I point out that you've been absolutely duped. People a lot of times think that I'm kind of too negative because I'm always pointing out the error. It's because I can't give you the truth I could talk about it, but to give you the truth is something you receive in the Spirit, not from my mouth. So let's talk about this blood of Jesus thing. You know, you look up blood of Jesus in the Bible, and you don't really find that phrase, but we do see him talking about uh, uh, by the blood of Christ, by uh, by the blood of Jesus. So let's look at some of these things where they're talking about blood in Jesus. One in Matthew twenty six twenty eight, For this is my blood for the New Testament, which is shed for many 
for the remission of sin. Now, where did he say that? When did he say that? What was going on when he said that? It was the it was a Passover. Okay, there was a dead lamb. This is my body. He wasn't talking about the bread. He was talking about the corpus on the table. A whole, a sheep, roasted whole, sitting on the table. He, yes, he picked up bread and he broke it and said, this is my body. But this is my body is referring to the sheep. He's talking about celebrating Passover. What is he talking about blood? Was he talking about the wine? Yes, the wine is representative of blood, but it is wine. There's also blood in that room and around the doorposts and on the lentils because it's Passover and they had to put that blood there. So when he says, this is my blood, he's talking about this Passover feast is about me. I am the lamb that is being sacrificed. And you must, like you eat of this lamb, they had to eat the whole thing that night, not go out till it was done. Anything left over had to be burned. He says, you got to eat of me like you eat of this lamb. He's not actually literally talking about eating him. But when you ate that lamb, that lamb was in you. And when you eat Christ, Christ is in you. And that's what he's talking about. It's a metaphor. Let's not get carried away and think that there's some sort of magical properties in a piece of bread. It isn't there. This is part of that superstitious sectarian a denominationalism that tries to get you to believe mindless things. The bread, the communion of Christ, the Eucharist of Christ is the willing to give thankfully. Thankful for the opportunity of giving and sharing with others and giving to others. But now that giving must be tempered with wisdom or you become no different than the rest of the world that gives all the time, but makes the people weak by that giving. You do not want people made weak by your giving. You want to strengthen them. Otherwise, you become like Sodom and Gomorrah. In John six fifty three, we see, Then Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Except ye eat the flesh of the Son of Man, and drink his blood, ye have no life in you. Whoso eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood hath eternal life. So now he's talking about eternal life, and he didn't say commandments. He's talking about eating his flesh and his blood. But Jesus was the keeper of the commandments according to the Spirit. And so when he's talking about eating his blood, they're talking about you being a keeper of the commandments in spirit. Not according to the letter of the law, but according to the spirit of the law. And if you do that, I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is meat indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. But again, it's this metaphors now. Just don't get carried away with that. He that eateth my flesh, and now he's describing what he's talking about, eating my flesh and drinking my blood, dwelleth in me and I in him. That's what's meant by eating the flesh. It's not eating a host or drinking a glass of wine. I remember when I was an altar boy, you had these little things like vinaigrette containers, and one would have water and the other would have wine, and you'd go up there and you'd pour the wine over the priest's fingers and into the chalice, and then you'd pour the water over the fingers to wash off the wine off of the fingers. And I had one alcoholic priest I used to do Mass for a lot, 
And when I went to pour in the wine, usually they just take a little bit because it's just a little swall. There was no wine left in that <laughs> container when I was done with Mass with that priest. He drank it all. But when you went to put in the water, you didn't hardly get a drop out, and he raised his hand up. He didn't want the water. It messed up his wine. He just wanted the wine. The guy was a total alcoholic. And there he's getting drunk on the blood of Jesus Christ. And that's what churches are doing today. They use this phrase and the emotional excitement surrounding these phrases of the blood of Jesus Christ to get drunk on your emotional energy that comes out of you. You get all charged up. But they get charged up with your charging up. And they will tempt you to do the same. And it is not Christ. It is vampire religion living off of the emotional excitement you generate with this powerful way of speaking about these metaphysical realities. But it's speaking. It's not being. If it was being, they wouldn't have delivered the whole world into bondage. And this world would be a free place today. Certainly America, with all its churches, should be the epitome of freedom. But it's not. It's the epitome of license and corruption. And it will fall farther than any other government because it has farther to fall. Any other nation. Ephesians 2.13 But now is Christ Jesus, ye who sometimes were far off, are made nigh by the blood of Christ. There was a quote I quoted earlier. I don't know if I can find it. Uh, let's see, I sent it out uh, the other day. And I don't know if I can find them. <laughs> it's funny, I don't see all the stuff I sent out. Uh, but anyway... The, this debate all came from the idea of we have to be some kind of gatekeepers of the email groups. And there are some activities on some of the email groups that I really don't approve of. But I want the local uh, ministers to deal with the situation. We should not allow people to come onto the group and begin to take over the group with postings that are absolutely contrary to what the purpose of the groups are. And that's well published. If you're coming on saying that Jesus never existed and that the Bible was made up by Jews so that um, they can enslave the world, including the New Testament, uh, that's la-la land stuff. That really that is the result of uh, anger and resentment and confused thinking. It's just not true. And I should not be the one that has to point that out uh, people come on with that kind of rhetoric on a his what are you doing at his holy church if you don't believe that his ever existed if you don't believe that Jesus ever existed why would you come on to these groups that is fundamental to our groups and why would the uh, contact ministers on those groups allow you to be posting on a regular basis a predominant basis to that group without being moderated it's it, we're not antichrist groups why is the only antichrist guy on the group doing all the posting that's somebody's neglecting their responsibility and we should not sell out these basics in order to create bigger email groups again the email groups are only email groups 
but they are also windows and somebody standing in front of the window where nobody else can see what we're really trying to show. And so we need to say, you know, you got to get out of the window. That's not the purpose is for you to come on with these tirades and dialogues about something that is absolutely opposed to everything that we're here gathering to do. I don't care how nice your garden is. That isn't it. That isn't the way it is. The networks are an opportunity, and we should not abuse that opportunity. Contact ministers should see to it that the people do not take over their local groups with posts and ideologies opposed to the fundamentals for which this group was established. Again, the groups are email groups. The creation, uh, and, and hopefully that's just one of the tools, we are gathering with people who don't get email. And that's, we're using the living network that is supposed to be born out of this Internet network and telephone calls and meetings and, and, and feasts like we have today. The creation of congregation of record is our opportunity to regulate our relationships with each other. And that is a job that we have become very poor at in this socialized world we presently live in. And we have to turn around from that. And we have to go another way. And that's what repentance is all about. And I don't expect everybody to set down their baggage right away. But eventually, we'll get around to that baggage. Or, in a moment. Pledge allegiance to the King of Kings and to his kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. One holy nation and our heavenly Father, grace, mercy, justice for all. The Greatest Prophecy DVD of Cross the Border Productions. Embrace the little known but greatest prophecy given by the great high priest. The pre-incarnate Messiah reveals God's once secret plan for mankind. Believe it. Behold the end times in Daniel chapter 2 because the dream is certain and the interpretation thereof sure. It is the key to prophecy future. Comprehend the seven-year great tribulation deception. Be not deceived. Understand the great prophecy delusion because if it were possible they shall deceive the very elect be forewarned america in prophecy exposed for all to see the mark of the beast no it's not a biochip a much better and more secure technology is already here and you are already using it two copies one for you and one for you to give away when you send a support donation of $25 to First Amendment Radio. Use the chip-in event on our website or send $25 cash to First Amendment Radio, 139 East Tulare Avenue, Tulare, California, 93274. Make copies and give them away. Send $25 cash 
for two copies of the Greatest Prophecy DVD. That's First Amendment Radio, 139 East Tulare Avenue, Tulare, T-U-L-A-R-E, California, 93274. A wise man is forewarned and prepares for the time to come. The Greatest Prophecy DVD. Now listen to me. The Bible says, render unto Caesar that which is Caesar's. I want you to know that a corporation is Caesar. Government takeover of the church. This DVD is the most powerful tool we have for waking up those asleep in the pews. The scripture calls for his people to come out of her. The corporate church is the apostate church, the whore that rides the beast. Make copies and give them away to your corporate church friends and loved ones. The truth will make them free. They will watch the DVD. Government takeover of the church. Who will tell them if not you? Get this DVD for a donation of $25 from LibertyRadioLive.com. Order online today or call 559-781-3773. Now listen to me. Welcome back uh, to Keys of the Kingdom. One of the messages that went out, uh, which actually may become part of the minister's manual, is uh, one that uh, kind of was titled, Think About. Uh, there's a lot we should think about, and much of it is never talked about in the modern churches, which is why I can come up with so many quotes that people have never heard, never hear regularly in the Bible. But yet, they're right there in the New Testament, and often by Jesus Christ himself. Uh, the ministers of the modern church have delivered all the nations back into the bondage of Egypt, back into the, uh, under this bondage under the elements of the world. And uh, it's a very bad thing that they have done this. But they have done it most completely. In Hebrews 10.36... It says, For ye need, ye have need of patience, that after ye have done the will of God, ye might receive the promise. So many people say, All you have to do is believe. There's nothing you can do to receive salvation. But right there in that context, Besides all the other places where Jesus says you have to be doers of the word, not hearers only. Uh, you can't just say, Lord, Lord, but you have to do the will of the Father. Over and over again, he's talking about doing. Yet, there are so many churches out there, as soon as you start talking about doing, they start saying, well, you're talking works. You're not saved by works. You just, just believe. Just be convinced. Just be certain that you believe. And that's it. And they go to great pains to help you be certain that you believe but it's a certainty that comes through this emotional support right there in Hebrews he's saying you need a patience that after you have done after you have done the will of God ye might be saved you might receive the promise of that salvation How many people out there think they are saved 
because they said, I accept the Lord Jesus Christ in my heart as my personal Savior, and had a very profound emotional experience at the time. And have not changed any significant amount to it appear to be of Christ. When they received the baptism of Christ, they were cast out of the social welfare system of their own world. Today you can get baptized and you can keep sucking up to Caesar as much as you want. You can pray to him as the father of your family and give him power over you and make covenants with him. And take his benefits, even though you know the more you take, the more he takes from others. Now the just shall live by faith, it says in Hebrews 38. By faith. But if any man draw back, my soul shall I have no pleasure in him. You are not, and most Christians are not living by faith. They're living by entitlements, by guarantees from those men who call themselves benefactors but exercise authority. And they are doing that because the preacher said all you have to do is say that you have faith that Jesus is God and that you are saved by the blood of the Lamb and you have said all these words really loud and you have really convinced yourself that you believe that, but you don't have to actually repent and do anything. just have to believe well, we say, well, I'm only talking about the authentic believers. Well, if we're talking about the authentic believers, show me some of those. Because I'm not seeing very many of them. And I'm certainly not seeing very many of them in the churches. But I see them loving one another and blessing one another. But the thieves and robbers do that much. They will eventually betray you. Just as even Peter betrayed Christ. But will they repent? In 39 we see, But we are not of them who draw back unto perdition, but of them that believe to the saving of the soul. Believe to the saving of the soul. Being drawn back to perdition. What is perdition? Going back to Cain. Going back to Nimrod. The mighty provider instead of the Lord. Going back to Caesar. The free bread and circuses. Going back to the Pharisees. It's saying, take care of me. We have to get away from this. And you get away from it by repenting and changing. Not telling me that you believe in Jesus. Most of the Christians who profess knowing Christ have drawn back into perdition. They have no idea of the kingdom, nor do they understand the righteousness of God. And there is probably no single group more responsible for this than all those preachers out there claiming to be preaching Christ, but are really workers of iniquity. In truth... Many of them not only do not love the Lord, they would actually choose Caesar over the Lord if they were taught the whole gospel of the kingdom. And they are doing that right now. Many of them. Now, faith is the substance of things 
hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, for by the elders obtained a good report. So where is the good report for the elders of these modern churches? They pray for the daily bread from the benefactors who exercise authority. They live by these entitlements because they do not live by faith. Yet they say they believe in the blood of Jesus Christ. It's not enough to say it. You have to do it. And that's why Jesus says, First, seek ye first the kingdom of heaven and its righteousness, because it is not righteous to force your neighbor to contribute to your welfare. Which all those Christian churches out there are doing on a regular basis. And they go to church simply to sing away their guilt. And to become firmly convinced that they are saved when they are actually workers of iniquity. I don't know how many times I can say it the same way. But I'm doing it in the context of these quotes. Hebrews 11.4 Oh, here, let's go back to 3. I don't think I read 3 yet. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the Word of God so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. Uh, you probably aren't going to get that if I try to explain all that. <laughs> you might receive the promise. Remember that back there in the earlier part of Hebrews. The devil believes, but he isn't going to receive the promise because he is not a doer. And you have to become that doer. Now, how much do you have to do? That's being saved by works. You have to do with your whole heart, mind, and soul. That's how much you have to do. It doesn't matter if it's a penny or half of everything you earn. But you have to give of yourself. With your whole heart, mind, and soul. Hebrews 11.4 By faith, Abel offered, up, uh, offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. Was that faith in the blood of Jesus Christ? It's faith in God. It was not just faith in God, but living by faith. He walked out of the city-state of Haran and lived by faith. Set up altars of charity with living stones that gave willingly free will offerings. Just like Moses. Just like Jesus Christ. But not like the modern churches. Oh yeah, they want your free will offerings. They're tithing, although I can show you plenty of churches that say you have to tithe 10% or you'll go to hell. Meanwhile, they don't provide the FEMA of their society. They don't provide the, the needs of the widows and orphans of their society. They're not even a religious institutions. They are superstitious institutions. Religion, pure religion, is taking care of the widows and orphans and needy of your society, unspotted by the world. That's pure religion. Impure religion would be doing the same thing, spotted by the world. And that's what they are. They are impure religions, except for they're not even religion because they don't even provide for the needy of their society. Occasionally they give a little bit of token help. But all of it's provided by their true religion, which is government. Government has gotten into the religion business, is providing for the needy. But Abel offered a more excellent sacrifice, and, and, and Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous. God testifying of his gift, and by it 
he being dead yet speaketh. You know, the whole story of Cain and Abel, I could go into that for hours, but we don't have hours. We don't understand what really went on there because people believe in metaphors rather than the meaning of the metaphors. By faith, Enoch was translated. Faith. He had faith back then. Not in the blood of Jesus Christ. Faith in God. The blood of Jesus Christ was shed that ye might have faith in God and walk with God. (coughs) And that's what Jesus did. He walked with God. God was in him and he was in God and he was one with God. That's what they're, they're, they're trying to tell you. You need to have that same type of relationship from your little finite standpoint of view with God. And when you do, then you have drank of the blood of Jesus Christ and eaten of his meat and Christ is in you and you in Christ and God is in you and you're in God's hands. And if you don't go that way, you are in the hands of those who have given you your faith and have convinced you so that you are you're certain. Because that is where your understanding has come from. From the flesh and blood of those who have convinced you. And the emotion they were able to arouse in you. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is rewarded of them that diligently seek him which of course is back with that first primary thing that Jesus said seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness by faith Noah being warned of God of being not seen as yet moved with fear prepared an ark for the saving of his house by which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is by faith. The world is about to undergo severe changes economically, geologically, meteorologically, astronomically, every kind of way you can imagine, morally. And you should be preparing the ark of the new covenant, the FEMA of the new covenant, which is not built with boards and planks. You're the boards and planks of the ark. We are facing a worldwide problem. And the solution is a spiritual solution. And you must be guided by the Spirit, not by fear, not by anxiety, but by the Spirit. To follow in the ways of God. And you, how do you know that you are saved? By the Spirit. By the, that spiritual voice. That still small voice. That calm, loving voice of Christ. And how do I know that you're saved? Well, I, should, I don't need to know that you're saved. But how do I know that you're following Christ? It's because you have put first what Christ said to put first. Which is seek the kingdom of heaven and the righteousness of God and you do this by keeping the commandments so that you can have eternal life and keeping the commandments hinges on loving God not loving your philosophy your eschatology your theology or your doctrine but loving God himself and loving your neighbor neighbor as much as yourself 
And you may think you're a Hindu, you may think you're a Muslim, you may think you're a Taoist, you may think you're a Buddhist, but if you really start loving your neighbor as yourself and start seeking the righteousness of God in those religions or any other religion that you make up, if you start down that road of following the commandments of Christ, you will know Christ better than those who say they believe in Jesus Christ and accept Him as God and accept Him as the Son of God. Because you're not just a hearer in your heart of the Word of God, but a doer in your heart and in your hands and in your life of the will of God. And though you may not know how to spell Jesus or Yeshua or know the Hebrew language, you know God. Because you're actually led by His Spirit to do His will and are patient enough to seek that out. It isn't enough to be called Catholic, Protestant, or a member of His Holy Church. That doesn't mean anything. It only means something if you are a doer of the Word. And where does that begin? It begins with your own family. It begins with yourself. You have to love yourself. Stop condemning yourself. You don't have the right to condemn others. You don't have the right to condemn yourself. You're a lost sheep. Get used to it. But you can find the shepherd in your heart and in your mind if you shut up <laughs> and start listening to him. Stop reciting the catechisms of the world and the religions of the world over and over again in your head to convince you. And start simply becoming a doer of the Word. Start gathering together. Everybody's not going to gather. Everybody's not going to come. Everybody's not going to hear the will and Word of God. They're just not going to do it. But there are tens of thousands, there are millions, there are billions of people out there who've never heard this message of loving their neighbor as itself in its full context of the gospel of the kingdom and how far that reaches if we were really doing it there would be no need for social welfare no need for the federal emergency ministry uh, management uh, agency because you would already be the faith emergency ministry auxiliary there would be no need for social security because you'd be secure in your knowledge of God. And though he may slay you, you will serve him. You will be content in that. And other men who are content in that will come together and you will be an invincible force because you have an invincible God. And he lives in you and dwells in you. You haven't simply recited his sayings. You are His sayings. You are His words. You are His flesh. You are His blood. And we haven't got to that point yet. Because we're still drowning in religions of the world. And the philosophies of the world. And constantly having to go back and being recharged by the world. So that we will be firmly convinced of what the world has told us, not what the Spirit has told us. We aren't even listening to the Spirit yet. Now we may have inklings of it. But it is a real journey of the soul, of the mind, of the heart. 
find the will of God and do the will of God. Every day, every moment, in unceasingly prayer. In unceasing prayer in your heart, in your mind, to know and do that will of God. So anyway, we're coming to the end of another program. There's not much time left. Uh, it'd be great if you join the Living Network by uh, joining us, uh, yes, on the web or getting in touch with other ways. Uh, this radio program goes out on the web, so I assume you have web access. So join the Living Network by going to hisholychurch.org, getting that drop-down menu. Now get involved. Try to find a congregation near you. If you can't, form a congregation of those that are nearest you, even if they're over 100 miles away. Try to get to meet them when you can. Try to work together to find all those people in between, and then you can start forming new and new congregations of record within that and why I say of record is because when you form that group you know who each other are you keep track it's the buddy system times 10 and then that congregation will pick up a minister who will help keep you in contact with all the other ministers who are ministering congregations around the world and you can build that network but you have to want to build that network out of service to others because that is the nature of Christ not what can I get out of it for me? Very simple. And if you have other topics that we you want us to talk about, get a hold of us. Get a hold of us through the network. And, and we'll put together all kinds of wonderful little notes. And we'll go over them one by one. Uh, one of the last ones uh, may have time to get to here. Um, uh Let's see, I'll read Peter's, First uh, Peter 1, 2. Elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through sanctification of the Spirit. Through the sanctification of the Spirit. By who? By the Father, not by some other minister. Unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood. In other words, that character of Christ. Grace unto you and peace be multiplied. If you start this road, you will receive extra blessings. But if you stop where modern religion wants you to stop, you'll never get there. But it's an individual walk. But you will be walking together with others. Now in Revelation it says, And I saw a woman drunken with the blood of the saints, with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. When I saw her, I wondered with great admiration. The blood of the saints. This is what modern religion is doing. Everybody from those Amish people that say, oh, you can't be a part of our group unless you wear your hat this way and a suspender this way, to the inquisitions that killed millions upon millions of people. Because you're trying to take away the choice of each individual and their, their ability to learn to walk and stand alone. You are a voice. You are a witness. You are not a dictator. You cannot start making up rules that you have to say it this way, you have to say it that way, you have to believe it this way, you have to believe All the rules are made up already by Christ. You can repeat those, but stop trying to enforce them and say, you cannot talk to me if you're a Republican. You cannot talk to me if you're a sinner. You cannot be a part of our conversation if you don't know Christ and profess Him with your mouth. 
Let's get to know one another and find out who professes Christ with their doing. Because that's what we need to do. But you have to build it. You have to, because that is the nature of what Christ was. He was a builder. He gathered people. He preached to people. And he was supported out of the substance of people. They talk about that. Why were the people supporting his ministry with their substance? Even the wife of the chief priest, not chief priest, but uh, chief steward of the king. We, we have to start looking at this gospel and this congregation of Christ as the ultimate answer to everything. Everything. And if we will turn our lives around and go the other way, we will be able to do that. Now, I'm going to be talking probably for the rest of the day at the retreat. so I uh, And I'm not going to go give you silent air time, but we are approaching the last few minutes of the show. And uh, I would want to encourage you to gather with others, to us or to anybody, and start being the government of God which is a government of the people, for the people, and by the people, where the people are bound not by contract, but by love for one another, by their willingness to serve one another, by their willingness to help one another. Are you willing to be a part of that? Are you seeking to be a part of that? Are you seeking to be a part of that kingdom of God, which is at hand? Because that's the first thing you should be doing. In order to do that, you have to come into contact with other people. And you have to get to know other people and share with other people and provide for other people. Not to save yourself as much as it is to save other people. You have to care about others as much as you care about yourself. Till then, may peace be upon your house and may God be with you. You have been listening to The Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. For more information on the educational ministry provided by His Holy Church and Brother Gregory, including services, counseling, lectures, books, and other audio materials, please write to His Church at Summer Lake, Box 10, Summer Lake, Oregon, 97640. You can also find us on the web at www.hisholychurch.net.